Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name is Christy Mori, and this week we have Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team in the host seat. She'll be interviewing psychologist Beulah Joseph on how to deal with toxic relationships in the workplace. Hope you get value from it. Hey, Beulah, how are you? How are you today? Hi, Josie. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, it's my pleasure. We've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm so glad we finally connected this yes. morning. Um, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Um, well, look, let's go straight into the conversation because what I wanted to start off with is um, if you could tell us a little bit about you and your career and sort of basically how, you, how you've ended up today where you are. Okay, well, um, I'm a psychologist, a registered psychologist, and I work in the organisational psychology space. Um, and that can be quite broad, but what I've really enjoyed and what I'm really passionate about is workplace well-being. And I've worked in that space for about maybe 10 to 12 years now, uh, and I really enjoy it. So um, mm. I work across different sorts of industries and sectors. So there's a lot of variety in the different types of workplace contexts, uh, dynamics, uh, different sorts of personality, different sorts of management styles. So it's been quite a diverse career. Um, and I work in the employee assistance program industry. So an EAP, which um, some organisations might have, um, it's a third party organisation that offers support services to the employees. So it's, it's a program that's separate uh, to the organisation, but is contracted by the organisation. Mm. Um, and so we do lots of different sorts of things, uh, training and workshop, uh, coaching, uh, we do short-term counselling. Um, and so it really enables us to be in that space where we can talk about um, a more proactive approach to um, supporting people's well-being um, at oh, home right. and in the workplace as well. So it's not just when things build up and that's where you access that support. It's actually let's think and talk about well-being on an ongoing basis as well. So that's, that's great. Been... So you're getting a more preventative approach there. Definitely. I mean, we can still mm -hmm. support people when there's something that's going on, but I think normalising that wellbeing conversation is so important. Just talking about it on every day, how, how are we looking after ourselves and one another? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And and Beulah, I know that, um, I mean, you and I have, have uh, known each other for a long time in many different contexts, and I'm really keen to to know how you got to sort of you know was was being a psychologist something you always wanted to do how did you get there what were the 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 kind of path path milestones along the way well I actually started off as a classroom teacher many years oh. ago so um, I come from a family of teachers and it made sense that that was something mm. that I wanted to do um, especially as I was trying to stay in Australia and um, according to the skilled migrant visa requirements, that was one of the things that <laughs> we were looking for, teachers. So I was, I was like, that's a good career choice for me. And I did that for a while, really loved it. It's a very demanding but really creative mm. um, and potentially very joyful uh, career path. And I enjoyed that a lot, um, except 
moved, then I started having a family. And so I had to deal with kids in the home as well as at work. And that got a bit too much and I wanted a break. (laughs) (laughs) I had enough of kids, my own and other people's. (laughs) And I just wanted some variety. And so I thought, oh, you know, I'll go back to to school and I'll learn something else and try something different, maybe work with Mm. adults. Um, I've always loved psychology and trying to understand why people do the things that they do and how can we be better? Mm. Um, So psychology was a logical choice for me when I went back. Mm. You know, I love the description there um, of, of, you know, why you love psychology, because I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast really are very curious about psychology. They love psychology and they are curious about how it applies to work. And I love that you say it's sort of, you know, really about understanding who we are and sort of how we can be better, because I think at the core of things, a lot of people have that curiosity and that question as well. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that you described that. Definitely. Um, you know, psychology initially in its inception was all about identifying illness, uh, but it's really evolved into lots of different streams and particularly in the workplace wellbeing space, it, it is about how can we do what we're doing better so that we are thriving individuals. Mm. Um, and there's a real recognition of that flow on effect between home and work. Uh, we're not just a, a worker, we are a person with lots of different facets. Um, so how can we, um, you know, really kind of uh, realize our full potential in all those domains. So that that's something that I'm really passionate and interested about. Even after all these years, I still love to work in that space. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. And I've always sort of had this mantra about bringing your whole self to work as well, because I think it's, you know, we, we, you know, it's such a, you know, in tw- early 20th century, 19th century concept to really just compartmentalize work and, and everything else we do in life. So, um, so just on that, Viola, what do you want to tell us about anything related to your whole self? So you've got this wonderful career. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about what makes you, you, just so we get an idea of that? Well, my life has changed dramatically in the last couple of years, I have to admit. Uh, I was a, a, a very active performer um, in Bollywood dancing and belly dancing, and I did West African dancing. Um, so I had lots of, you know, I've always been a performer. I come from a family of performers as well. So it's something that I've just always done. Um, and singing in lots of bands. And um, unfortunately, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis uh, two years ago, which is an autoimmune disease. Um, And so that's really made me have to change my lifestyle quite a bit. So I've Mm. had to give up a lot of those things because I just can't do them anymore. It just, um, Mm. I don't have the physical strength or health um, or stamina to be able to do those things. So the last two years, it has actually been a very interesting period in my life where I've really had to transition and shift my mindset. Um, So there's a lot of grief in, um, you know, saying goodbye to the things that I used to love and was passionate and that's where my social networks were and having to say goodbye to a lot of that and then being left with what felt like nothing and then having to sort of think about, well, I can't do those things. Well, what can I do? And it's begun Mm. this exploration of different sorts of pathways that's led to me writing a book with um, an old school friend that's going to be published this year um, about motherhood. Um, Fantastic. 
Yeah, it, it's led to me sort of starting to think about, it's still very early stages, but trying to think about how I can uh, create a well-being hub, perhaps in a more regional area where the services aren't as easily accessible. And I'm sort of thinking about how, what that might look like and how I can sort of craft that. So there's other things that will happen. It has been quite a journey. Um, yeah. And it has been interesting and I've been very lucky. I've had some really good supports around me to um to sort of guide me through it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful, Beola. It's it's amazing. Um that that's amazing resilience. And I think, you know, maybe maybe we can bring you on for another conversation about resilience at some some stage, because I know you actually you know, you, you actually know a lot about that in your work, but it's also something I think that you yourself have lived through and are living through. And so I think that inspires a lot of people. So thank you for sharing that, um, that B. We, I really appreciate it. The other thing that I know that you've just done as well, because you're such a superwoman, is you've just completed the first draft of your PhD. <laughs> uh, you know, like you didn't, yeah, that's, that's just, just a little thing. Um, but um so can you just give us a sneak peek of maybe what you found in your PhD? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Look, this is, what, seven and a half years into it because, you know, working and having a family means you can't do it all in one hit. Yeah. Um, but initially this started because years ago the CEO of the organisation I was at wanted some research done and I thought, well, why not do a PhD? And so the PhD is about the impact of employee assistance programs on individuals and organisational outcomes. Um, and so it's been um, a really interesting journey into having different sorts of conversation and running different studies. And essentially what we found, so I've got a paper that I'm hoping to publish soon, um, and that's the culmination of the entire narrative of the thesis. Great. And what mm -hmm. we looked at was... Um, what are the trends with people who do use EAPs versus those who don't? And what was my favourite finding out of all of that is that the people who are presenting with the highest levels of distress, with the more severe presentations of um, anxiety or depression and stress, um, they are accessing that support. And that is oh. a huge shift from, you know, 10, 20 years ago where there was even more stigma than there is now in terms of seeking appropriate professional supports. Um, so that for me is such a heartening result that people are um, understanding that it's actually okay to, to ask for help. Um, and it's a better option than trying to keep it together. So the people who really need the support are accessing the support. Um, what That's I also great. did find was that there's a lot of scope for um, people who aren't at that crisis point to access support as well. So again, that early early intervention preventative piece, um, and that's our next step, I think, as an industry uh, and workplace wellbeing. That's normalising that conversation. So we're checking in earlier rather than later. Oh, that's wonderful. And and look, I wish you all the best because I know the first draft is part of that sort of journey towards getting the final PhD. So I wish you all the best with that, Beulah. It's really important work. And 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 I love that you're chronicling the, the change in really business environment and culture, which then allows people to feel more able to, um, you know, really bring up those issues and, and then seek seek that support. So that's really, really important work. Um, but we are here today to talk about relationships because um, it's a little bit... Um, of a 
uh, aside to some of the conversations we had um, with Christy, Christy and myself had in February around just relationships at work because and again it's part of you know we bring our whole selves to work and sometimes we are in um, certain relationships at work that either enhance us or not and today we wanted to talk about those relationships that perhaps do not enhance us and sometimes we sort of um, can label them as difficult or even toxic so I, I, I really wanted to get your advice on particularly what you've seen in in your own practice or perhaps even the in, in some of the um maybe the research you've read is this a is this an issue that that people present with at work in terms of getting um support um and particularly you know what is it what is a relationship that's toxic or or a relationship that doesn't enhance us what how do we how do we know uh that that relationship isn't good for us so if we could kind of open that up um Beulah, and sure. um perhaps you could give us an idea of what that definition is to start off with. I think I would start this conversation with one of the most important points is that conflict and toxic are different. Um, Conflict and disagreement are a normal Mm. and healthy part of any relationship. Mm. For many of us, it's not a comfortable space to be in and we avoid it um, Mm -hmm. or we become hypersensitive and going into that conversation, then that triggers an escalation point. Um, So conflict is actually, you can't have a work environment, you can't have a relationship without some conflict. And conflict serves a purpose. Mm. It helps us become aware of problems that might exist. Um, It gives us that um, momentum to find a better way forward. And when you have environments where conflict is valued, change can be a positive thing, a way of making things better. So it, it, it can be an opportunity to help teams become more effective, um, have better decision-making and strengthen that relationship. So I, I think sometimes the word toxic is used too often um, mm. where they're actually talking about conflict that people are struggling to resolve. Yes. Um, However, toxic does exist, of course, um, and, and mm. the difference, I think, with toxic is it's it's more, when we're talking about a toxic relationship, we, we're talking about something that's really characterised by this pattern of unhealthy, manipulating behaviours and attitudes. So you might see mm-hmm. a consistent pattern over time where someone might lack some empathy or have this desire to exert power over the other person and gain satisfaction from it. So that real mm-hmm. kind of tug of war with power and control. Yeah. And it can be even more challenging um, if the person that you're struggling with is in a position of power like a manager or a team leader. So they're in a role that has established power already and it can make it really challenging. And Mm. so in some of the work that I do, I do come across those kinds of dynamics and people struggling to navigate that. Um, In that Mm. sort of scenario, it's even harder to disagree or voice your opinions or contributions. Um, So it is a real thing that happens in workplaces and it can happen in workplaces. and people can even describe a workplace as being toxic, where it's in an yeah. environment that is characterized by that, um, you know, that lack of uh, respect and civility, uh, where, you know, people are regularly dismissed or unvalued. 
you might mm. find uh, a toxic workplace where there's a lot more favoritism um, and it's not necessarily a merit-based approach. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, whoever the favorite is, uh, and then that then worsens those power plays as well. Um, you know, rewards and acknowledgement, uh, it can be sort of directed to those who may not even have contributed significantly, significantly to a project or to any of the targets. What you tend to find in those kinds of environments is that people can be quite on edge um, and become a lot more uh, hypersensitive. Uh, there can be a lot more increased conflict. You might also have um, an overemphasis on self-advancement and much less efforts and focus on moderating inappropriate behaviours or actions and words. Um, you might also find that information is used as a means of exerting that control or power over others, um, withholding information or yes. giving particular information to different groups, even playing one group off another group. Um, in these sorts of environments as well, the cliques can be quite common where people gang up together and um, take sides on particular conflicts that they may or may not be directly involved in as well. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a really terrible environment to be immersed in. And, and I know that people find themselves in those kind of environments um, almost in a way where they, they suddenly become aware of the pattern. Because I, I, I really love that you're talking about a pattern of behaviour because sometimes I, I think that's why we end up in these environments. They kind of sneak up on you because it's the pattern. Do you, do, Very do you much have so. any examples? Yeah. Do you, have, do you have any examples of where that's happened to someone, Beulah? I'm just wondering if there's something, you know, just to bring it bring it to life because I think that's why it's difficult sometimes to um, avoid some, some situations or some relationships. I myself have had experience with that. <laughs> where I have yeah. eventually then left the work environment because mm. uh, it was just so horrible to be in. Uh, you know, mm. and, and they can have really significant impacts on your overall well-being. You know, mm. uh, people will, you know, I felt that when I was working in this particular organisation, uh, waking up in the morning was horrible. What was the motivation mm. to get out of bed um, and then to go in and face that kind of you know, high conflict, political environment, and all I wanted to do was the work. Uh, it's really debilitating. Yes. Mm. Um, you might also get um, these sorts of environments might become a bit more common when there's been organisational change over a period of time. Um, and some people might be struggling a bit more with that or some groups might find opportunities with that as well. Um, it's not necessarily the case that that's what it's going to be like for an extended period of time. Sometimes things can resolve and become better, mm. um, but it is something that can be very common. Uh, it also is about what kind of culture does the organisation have and yes. is that culture valuing things like effort and cooperation, collaboration, mm -hmm. um, you know, versus you know, whoever's got the right connections or whoever's said the right things, or you might even have, um, you know, a boys club. 
um, where yeah. then there's, you know, gender equality and there's discrimination. Uh, and yeah, so it, it's, it's such a common thing. And I think I really mm. like what you said earlier in terms of it can sneak up on you. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's so easy for it. it. It's not necessarily the case where it's really obvious and you know, yep, that's a toxic workplace. It can be mm. really difficult because over time we adapt and we accept. Um, and it's really hard to actually take that step out and go, well, yes, this is actually a toxic workplace and I need to think about my role in this space. Mm. Yes, that's right. Because I think we, when you uh, join an organisation, you join a team, you join a, a, a company, you have um, all kind of you've got a positive outlook in the main you know you don't join something thinking you know looking for the signs in some ways you sort of yeah. are excited about the role or you know it's a new team or whatever that is and so I think that that's that's um, difficult sometimes to navigate when you do get some behaviors and maybe um, I think also people might attribute that issue to something they did rather than seeing it as um, perhaps you know a part of this pattern. So I think that that also happens, doesn't it, Beulah? Very much so. And I think, you know, what you, you're saying in terms of being a new starter in a new environment, that's mm. even harder because you don't necessarily know what the norms are in that workplace mm -hmm. and you're still trying to work out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and it's, it's even harder to identify where things are okay and where they're not and where you would mm. draw the line it makes it even more challenging um sometimes too the the opposite can be true where if you've been somewhere for a really long time uh, to actually identify something as toxic and not something that you want to put up with it makes it really difficult because we do adapt and we do accept and we get used to things and that becomes then um the normal and so separating that out and actually looking at that and saying, is this a toxic workplace? You know, what is not working in this environment? How mm. am I feeling about it all? It's really hard to find that space. Mm. And I think what happens is people, like you were saying, they, they end up with some uh, symptoms, if you like. So there's either a lack of motivation or sometimes there are even physical symptoms that can occur, I think. Isn't that right, Yula? Very much so. I mean, what I hear a lot about are increased stress and anxiety levels. So, you know, things like nightmares, waking up in the middle of the night in a sweat, thinking about work, um, you know, that dread going into work, mm. um, you know, racing thoughts, um, you know, even heart palpitations and sweating and feeling dizzy and weak, um, it, it, they can have huge impacts on our overall well-being, uh, and can make it really difficult for us to be engaged at work. I mean, what's the motivation to be engaged in a workplace like that? Mm -hmm. it, it's so much harder, um, you know, and our our relationships at work can be affected. You know, you might find people who become a lot more withdrawn. You might have people who uh, become a bit more angry and aggressive in their communications. Mm. Um, it, it can really have a flow on effect to all aspects of our lives. Mm. So, so what do we do? Because <laughs> it sounds terrible and, you know, I would not want to stay there. And, and, you know, obviously in your experience, you left the organisation. Is that the only course of action for people who find themselves in this situation? 
Definitely not. Um, I mm. think, I mean, I am painting, we are talking about toxic workplaces and toxic relationships. So uh, we have talked a lot about the bad stuff or how yes. horrible it can be, but there's lots of ways that um, people can deal with it. I mean, for me, this was years ago when I left this organization, um, but that you know, for me, that really, that experience really helped me identify what's important for me. What am I looking mm. for in a workplace uh, and what my expectations are? And so since then, I have ensured that the environments that I've been mm. in have really kind of met my values, my expectations. So it, it was a difficult experience at the time, but it's really helped. Um, and so I think the first step, if you're not sure if you're struggling with something like this, the first step is to create some space and time for yourself mm. to reflect and reflect on what is it that it's, what are your values? What are your beliefs? What's yeah. important for you? What are your needs? And what about this particular environment or this particular relationship doesn't feel right? Yeah. Are there particular interactions or their styles of communications or are there actions that have really grated and uh, rubbed you the wrong way? Unpack that a little bit. Why is that? Is that blocking me fulfilling one of my needs? Is that going against my values? You know, what about this relationship or workplace isn't really working for me? Um, and I think a lot of people miss that part and it's almost the most crucial part of, you know, really understanding yourself but also what is going on around you and how that is impacting yourself. And sometimes, you know, engaging with a coach or um, a counselor or a mentor or someone who's had that experience before can be really useful in um, facilitating that sort of reflection piece. And, and I think, I think Beulah, sometimes people find it difficult to A, reflect on what they want into in terms of their values and expectations because um, perhaps they don't value it themselves they don't value their role they don't value um, themselves and so um, and that can be um, due to some some issues that are not even related to the workplace so yeah. how do you start you know because I think for some people they they do that you know intuitively they can go into their value base and they can be be sort of I guess strong in terms of their they're non-negotiables, but for others, I know it, it, that that in itself is a struggle. So, yeah, do you have any advice for people like that? That's where I'd say reach out for some support. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's accessing a professional, whether it's um, speaking to someone senior, you know, in a different organisation or, you know, a family member or a friend, just to help have a different voice um, in your head to help you kind of start to piece together a bit of a picture. And the thing is, you might not necessarily have a complete picture at the end, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to ask the question. Whether or not you have an answer in that moment, that's not really an issue. It's continually asking yourself those questions because that enables you to check in with where you're at versus what's inside you. So I think yeah, exactly. as a, a daily practice, a weekly practice, that's something that we can all do, regardless of whether or not we're in a toxic relationship or workplace. That really empowers yeah, that us with some clear information about what's going to work for us down the track. 
Mm. I love that that check in because it is it is really uh, sometimes for example I'll check in on myself and I I I know I just through experience I know that if something doesn't feel right I get this sort of ache in my in my tummy like it's that that's my area that solar plexus mm. area is my area where I feel that you know there's something wrong I feel the dissonance there and so but checking in on values um, over time is important because sometimes those beliefs can change. Sometimes yep. different values come up to the surface in terms of priorities too. So what was okay before may not be okay now. So Yeah, definitely. Well. Yeah, mm. definitely. I think That's also what can help is, you know, to think about the people in your workplace and start to find people who feel the same way that you do to develop those friendships. Because sometimes you can be surrounded by very negative people uh, who complain a lot maybe and that can also yes. bring you down and make it difficult for you to create that space so if you can look at your workplace and sort of start to find and investigate what options there might be of people who might feel and think in a similar way to you you can get that support mm -hmm. and you can start to build that support network in a challenging environment i think yeah, the yeah. other thing that's also really important is to set boundaries for yourself so really to see that work is still just work there are other mm. things in your life there are families there are hobbies there are friends there are different types of activities so actually set some boundaries around work rather than work seeping into everything and anything that you do mm. like it did over COVID. <laughs> yes <laughs> very, very much so and even now with so many people working from home I think that yeah that's really good advice because I think our boundaries can get too porous when we're in the we're in an environment where we're also you know our, our home is is where all those other activities take place so yeah, yeah that's that's really good advice Bula. so so we 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 do have to wrap up we've had I think we could keep talking about this and we might we might get you back on to talk a little bit more about the other aspects of um, employee experience and how psychology and support, and particularly support in terms of um, employee support can actually um, help a lot of the um, perhaps people in situations that we, I'm sure there are other topics that we can talk about. So, Bula, we might get you back on if that's okay, um, if you'd sure. like to come back on and you've enjoyed this experience. But just, just to wrap up, so I... I what we've been talking about is basically, you know, how to recognise that that um, conflict and and toxicity are not necessarily the same things. And I, and I've been talking a lot about that too in terms of leaning into conflict. So I, I really I think you and I are definitely on the same page around that. Um, but 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 that pattern of you know manipulating behaviour is not okay, and that 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 does sort of lead you to maybe define an environment that is um, more toxic and it's not just about dealing with conflict. So there's some things that I think people can do. For those people that perhaps work in businesses that aren't connected with um, EAP services, uh, what can they do, Viola? Can, can we perhaps leave some notes, um, some, some links in our show notes for those people to get some support if they don't have that in their workplace? Definitely. I mean, I think that there are lots of supports and, um, you know, I can certainly send you some after this that you can add. Um, there are always supports around. Um, and I think the important message is that you are never alone. 
Um, it is about recognizing that you are important, you are valued, mm -hmm. and uh, what we can do is sort of add those um, those links for you at the end um, if you don't have exactly. access to an EAP. I think the other thing too is just to keep in mind that your um, if you've got a partner or uh, EAPs can also be available to immediate family members. So you might, even if you don't work in the organisation, your partner perhaps might actually work in an organisation where you can access some of those sessions. So there That's are wonderful. some options as well. So Great. it's worth All investigating. Right, so Thanks, B. So we'll, we'll put some of those links in the show notes and um, we hope that um, uh, that everyone's got some value out of this conversation. I'm sure they have and I'm really looking forward to having you back. But in the meantime, have a wonderful Easter break. I hope you're getting a bit of rest. Uh, well, you know, we've got the Easter bunny coming. Um, my 18-year-old has decided that we have to have Easter bunny, so we've, um, <laughs> we've, we've sent an email <laughs> to the Easter bunny to make sure that... <laughs> He or she still arrives. So uh, yeah, we've got plans. All right, awesome. Let's um, let's uh, give a high five to the Easter Bunny. Thank you so much, Viola. All right, my and, pleasure. Um, everybody, we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye.